Welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. We, we all, all share, share a love for Maine's environment. Every day, decisions are made that could impact our woods, waters, wildlife, and climate. Join us as we share stories of Mainers working to build healthier communities and protect what makes Maine so special. It's happened. The Maine legislature has officially concluded this year's legislative session. Lawmakers came back to the state house on Tuesday, July 25th for their final day of work and kept working well into the early hours of the next day. NRCM's very own Jack Shapiro was there at 3 a.m. when the historic offshore wind bill cleared its final hurdles in the House and Senate. Uh, Beyond that momentous action, and let's be clear, it is a really big deal for clean energy here in Maine and elsewhere. This year's legislative session was yet another demonstration of Maine's continued leadership on climate action, clean energy, and really sensible environmental safeguards. We really appreciate, and I think we showed that Maine's strong conservation ethic continues to define our way of life, contribute to economic growth, and influence how these lawmakers make decisions in Augusta. So here to dig into this and more, is NRCM's Advocacy Director, Pete Didesheim. We do this at the end of every session and I really enjoy it. Pete, thanks again for joining us. My pleasure to be here. So let's just start big picture. What are are a few of the big takeaways for you from this really, really long legislative session? session. (laughs) So yeah, so I've been around this track now, I think 26 or 27 times and this was the longest session that I've been here (laughs) for. So, I mean, always one of my biggest takeaways is how impressed I am by the hard work and the commitment of of these lawmakers. This is a tough job. As you said, they were here. They pulled an all nighter last night. Well, when this when this, uh, you know, in the final day of a session and it can be like graduate school for some. There's a lot of learning. They have to spend a tremendous amount of time and they don't get paid very much. And, you know, how many of us have to do all nighters? Mm-hmm. for their employers. In this case, we, the people of Maine, are their employers. Yeah. And I just think it's one of the big takeaways is that we should all be tremendously grateful for the 181 lawmakers and all the staff at the state house who put in this commitment to serve us. So the other big takeaway is that I'm always impressed by the willingness and passion of Maine people from every corner of the state to participate in this process. Yeah. Um, One of the first hearings this year was on a lake protection bill, and nearly 100 people provided testimony in support of investing in protecting water quality of the lakes that they love. Mm -hmm. Another bill to support development of this mountain division trail corridor between Standish and Freiburg, something NRCM really supports, and we're excited to be at a a bill signing ceremony this week uh, with the governor on that. Uh, That had testimony from more than 200 people. Who have testified on that. And that project's been underway for like 20 years. This was a mm-hmm. huge milestone for the people that have been connected to the idea of this quarter, like the people connected to the lakes. So um, a big takeaway is, is getting big bills across the finish line takes a huge amount of work and focus. It's like nonstop, like the, the offshore wind bill was one of the last things that they did. And, and it's, um, you know, these bills can turn, you know, south, like on a dime. That's why it's so important for NRCM and other environmental advocates to be there at the state house day in and day out, paying attention, working to keep our bills on track. And you put all these things together, committed legislators, passionate activists, strong policy experts like we have at NRCM, 
and good things can happen. And that's what happened this year. We got that's what face. happened yet again. I like yep. that. That's the secret sauce right that's there. That's it. It's, yes, that's it's, the combo. <laughs> and it's true. It's true. I, I'm amazed too. I mean, these are like complex, sometimes intractable issues, right? That you gotta, and it sort of makes my brain hurt thinking about it. And I'm amazed that that our advocates, you know, people like Jack and Sarah and Josh and Vanessa and I'm sure Rebecca, I forgot. I'm sure I forgot folks, but you know, digging into that, but then bolstered by that power, people. It's really exciting. Yeah. Well, as a, as yeah, sorry. Um, as I mentioned at the top, some of the biggest and the most exciting laws uh, that passed had to do with clean energy, in particular, this offshore wind bill. We've talked about it before, but can you just speak a little bit about how these new policies that were passed this year are going to help us accelerate this clean energy economy that's already well underway in Maine? You know, how are we going to keep building on that? Yeah. So the offshore wind bill, uh, I think, will be long remembered as one of the most consequential actions that the state of Maine has ever taken to promote clean energy, create an entirely new manufacturing sector that's centered around reducing our dependence on fossil fuels, creating new jobs. It's going to be really exciting. So as you said in the opener, we can't overstate the what a big deal this is. So, And it could be putting us on a path that we haven't really seen in our lifetimes um, of thousands of good paying jobs to build and maintain offshore wind farms that will be floating far offshore, 40 or 50 miles out into the Gulf of Maine. Um, and it was really a combination of three bills. It was an offshore wind procurement bill that requires the PUC to procure 3000 gigawatts of offshore wind by 2040, and a bill to develop deep water port uh, for the assembly and repair uh, of the um, of these very large offshore wind, floating offshore wind um, uh, turbines and their platforms, and a bill to modify the permitting standards for offshore wind ports so that you can make such ports possible. Um, so pulling all that, that all, all together was a just a really big effort, and Jack Shapiro on our staff just did a, an incredible job. There also was an important bill passed this session to promote a thousand megawatts of of wind power in Arista County in a transmission corridor, connecting it to the grid. This would be one of the largest wind farms in the Eastern United States, also a really big deal for clean energy. There was a bill also to promote development of large solar energy projects on contaminated land, including farmland that's been impacted by PFAS contamination. So all of those are important projects to bring more clean, renewable energy into our grid to displace the fossil fuel and the in the greenhouse gas emissions associated with it um, as part of our climate action plan. So all of those are really big, important. We're excited about them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, and like I said, just continue that momentum from, from the success and the progress we've seen in the last couple legislative sessions on things like solar. We can build on that with offshore wind. It's super exciting. And, you know, and it'd be thinking about um, everyone who's going to be involved and benefit from this, from the workers to port communities, that sort of thing uh, is really exciting. Um, well, so you know, one of the programs that we've, oh, sorry, sorry, I skipped a, I skipped a question. One of the, you know, of course, climate action, it's more, it's more than just developing new sources of clean energy. It's also about things like transportation. You talked about the mountain division trail, energy conservation, more flexible 
electric grid. Do you want to, you know, what other sorts of progress did we see this year that you want to highlight in terms of climate action? Yeah, there's at least a dozen uh, bills. Let me just mention a few that are worth mentioning. Um, uh, there was uh, additional funding, 2.8 million that was transferred into the Maine Housing Authority's low-income heat pump program. So that's a big deal. The state just recently passed the 100,000 heat pump goal um, ahead of time, uh, ahead of schedule. And now we've set a new target of 175,000 heat pumps. So that's a big deal. Uh, there was a bill to add e-bikes, electric bikes, to the Efficiency Maine rebate program so that Mainers can have access to rebates for this affordable transportation option to reduce carbon pollution and get around. I know you kind of like that sort of My policy. favorite bill, my favorite bill. bill. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, there's a bill to strengthen this, the state's public transit system with some increased funding and strengthen the, the, the Public Transit Advisory Council. There was um, also a bill to invest um, seven and a half million into the state infrastructure adaptation fund to support municipal culvert grants, as well as planning and matching dollars for leveraging federal resilience, adaptation, and, and other culvert investments. That's a big deal. We just had some flash floods in the last 48 hours here in the state of Maine that, that ripped out some culverts. So these, these um, significant precipitation events are, are, are causing challenges for our infrastructure. We just got to keep investing in our existing infrastructure to make sure that it's uh, resilient to the sort of climate that we're moving into. So those are a few, but there was a lot more good stuff that happened. Yeah, and of course, also, um, also just sort of continuing this progress on thinking about how we build a more accountable, flexible electric grid. I know um, yeah. one thing that will be of interest to people that they might've read about is a bill that's gonna require improve transparency for utilities on political spending. That's probably on everybody's mind, given the ads we saw during the CMP corridor, yeah. but now as there's a referendum around, around a consumer-owned utility. So, so strengthening strengthening those reporting requirements and, and stuff is, is really, really important. Um, and then several other, uh, other related bills. I should say, we're going to tick through some of these, but we've got a press release on our site that details all them and we'll be you know putting out the report card like we do to yep. our members and supporters so there's there's going to be opportunities to dig into all these exciting things you hear about um either on our website nrcm.org or or you know in your mailbox um i know one of the things you talked a little bit about resiliency but we've been really excited about this community resilience partnership it's already engaged more than 140 cities, towns, and tribal governments that received additional support. Um, is there anything you want to say about that program? Why we're so excited about? It, why we really, you know, wanted to see it continue, to see that work continue? Yeah, this program has really taken off. It's part of the the state's uh, climate council work out of the governor's office of policy innovation in the future. A uh, really important way to involve communities people throughout the state in this grant program for a really broad variety of, of projects that relate to climate action and, and preparing our communities to be more resilient to climate change. So the so they ended up providing $3 million a year for this new for this relatively new uh, community resilience partnership program. It's as you said, it has 140 cities, towns, tribal governments involved, and they're all over the state. 
-hmm. And there's some really exciting work that's underway. And I think um, in future podcasts, we will profile and bring some of the stories from some of these communities that are where where people and towns and organizations are are coming together around local projects mm -hmm. to address uh, the challenges that climate change poses. And I think this this funding, this infusion over the next couple of years uh, from the budget is just going to build that momentum mm -hmm. even further. So we're excited. We're definitely excited about all this. The more people yeah. involved, the better. The more towns involved, the better. You know, and now it's these are all over the state and that's what we need. Yeah. And like you said, those these are great stories to tell. It's just like it's just great stories of, of local Mainers, local folks coming together to identify solutions that work best th for their community, sort of, you know, pulling themselves up and doing what they can based on what they've got to solve problems they've identified. So, um, yeah, I look forward to telling those telling those stories. Well, we talked about offshore wind, which was one of our top priorities. As, as another priority for NRCM was to modernize the bottle bill. That was the topic of our last podcast episode with Sandra, who owns uh, Jansel Bottle Redemption, co-owns Jansel Bottle Redemption in um, in Winthrop. She she gave us a great sort of overview of, of, of why that bill was necessary. Um, but, you know, is there anything else you want to talk to about that bill? I mean, I really understand that, you know, Sarah and her team worked with Rep, Rep Hepler, but really also this was another example of how um, legislators, NRCM, and then a wide variety of interests really had to come together to hammer out a solution here and to figure out a path forward for that bill. And it just seemed like such a great example of the 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 work that gets done from when a bill is uh, submitted to when it actually is passed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's two bills. One was the one that we've already discussed previously about about increasing the handling fee so these <clears throat> redemption centers can could cover their costs and and pay their employees and keep them employed and not shut down. That was a big deal. That passed early. That was an emergency bill, and those redemption centers. Um, are greatly appreciative of that. So that was important, but the bigger modernization of the bottle bill, bill, um, huge effort. That was not easy. Complicated program, inefficiencies that that really needed to be addressed. And part of the reason it's so complicated is that it's a it's it's a program that has been put in place and operating for decades and there's revenue streams and responsibilities uh, that are attached to the current system. And to change that was gonna change profits, revenues, how people do things. But in for years, Sarah Nichols on our staff has said, this needs to be done. Mm -hmm. We need to improve this. It's not efficient. We can't just let this keep going. And I, and I kept telling her, that is a really big policy challenge. And she just grabbed it and established herself as a go-to expert on this and identified all of the critical stakeholders and built trust with them and worked with Allison Hepler, the legislator, who put in just enormous amount of time um, uh, learning the issues, developing the policy, leading on it with her colleagues at the state house, went through a lot of negotiations, and eventually got to a bill that got a unanimous vote out of the committee. 
and the committee leadership was critically important. And then, and then we didn't know if we were going to get the funding needed. And it was again one of those last decisions of the legislative process where we were able to get bipartisan support at the appropriations committee for the funding needed to fund it off the appropriations table to get the program up and running. So as you mentioned, these big bills are tough. And this one was a, you know, it's it's not a glamorous bill, but incredibly important for the state's most important recycling program, our bottle bill. Mm -hmm. And another, like you said, fingernail biter, right? It came yeah. down to the last, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was a bill also that finally got enacted, sent to the governor um, yesterday or early morning. I'm not, a, or, or the, yeah. this morning, early morning. I'm not exactly when, but uh, sure when, but it was, yeah. and it there came was down a, to the last minute. There was like this session, I guess, two weeks ago now, in a late into a Thursday night. It was like, I don't know if this was even resolved until another like midnight session. It was yeah. just, you know, and it was, it was like, a billion dollars worth of bills competing for $12 million worth of funding. And we didn't know if we were going to be in or out. And, and mm -hmm. there was rumors and a lot of decisions being made behind closed doors. And it was just, we got people calling in from all directions. It was just a, a big effort to finally get um, clearance that, okay, this is a priority. we got to fund yeah. it. It's going to happen. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's great news. Um, the last sort of chunk of work I wanted to talk about was clean water and wildlife, right? And two components, there's lots of components, but two important components of what make Maine, Maine, make it so special. I understand there were several bills passed this year that are going to protect wildlife. You talked about the bill to improve lake water quality around the state, but there's also some other bills to protect clean water. Can you just talk a little bit about those for folks? Sure. So. Um... Yeah, on the wildlife front, the, there was a bill that uh, that Audubon really led on. Uh, kudos to them to further reduce the risk of lead poisoning to common loons. Uh, in this case, from from um, fishing gear, uh, it's really the kind of the the, the jigs uh, that are weighing one pound, one ounce or less, or measuring two and a half inches or less in length. Uh, that are painted. So starting in September 2024, those are going to be banned. So it's going to reduce the amount of lead poisoning risk to common loons. Um, so that's a really good thing. There's also early in the session a bill to add eight species to Maine's endangered and threatened species list, a number of species, swallows, Bicknell's thrush, uh, black pole warbler, um, small uh, salt marsh sparrow, Jeff Wells, um, who's associated with us, delivered some great testimony about the risks to the habitat uh, for these species and why they needed to be listed. So that passed, that was great. Um, and on the water quality front, we did get a little bit of funding for that Lake Water Quality Restoration and Protection Fund and also authorized that fund to seek money from other public and private sources. So that was good. It didn't look like we'd get any funding. So we did get a little bit uh, to get that going. And then there's also 33 million that was provided for the resilient water infrastructure program. And that's really important for, for drinking water, for wastewater uh, treatment program upgrades. And providing that money in the state budget means that we can provide that as state match for federal money. So we'll be able to leverage a lot of additional federal money um, and these are some of the most important programs, also not glamorous, but really important for, 
for um, ensuring that our wastewater treatment plants are getting the upgrades needed to keep combined sewer overflows from dumping uh, wastewater into our coastal waters and rivers during extreme weather events. So also really good stuff. That's great. Well, unfortunately, we can't just work to build great new things and add add to them. Um, we're always seeing corporate lobbyists, lobbyists always pressing lawmakers to undo some of these environmental protections. That makes our watchdog role all that more critical. What are some of the bad bills we were able to defeat this year with the help of Maine people who spoke up? Yeah, so I've never had a session where we didn't have to spend a bunch of time to try to stop Maine from going backwards. So these rollback bills, they always pop up. They're often connected with out-of-state fossil fuel companies or other corporate interests. So this year was, you know, we had six or eight of these bills that we had to spend some time on. Um, some generally not a lot of time, but there was a there was a bill that was going to propose terminating Maine's ban on single-use plastic shopping bags. We were able to kill that, which was great. There was a bill that was aimed at uh, banning the development of offshore wind power. So that would have been going in exactly the opposite direction of what we think is one of the most significant accomplishments of, of this session. Uh, there was a bill out of state fossil fuel companies trying to limit towns from adopting policies to save money by conserving energy and reducing our reliance on inexpensive uh, oil and gas. That one was a little bit of a uh, perils of Pauline. It, it would look like it was going to pass, and then we were able to defeat it, but we had to spend a lot of time educating legislators about, about um, who was behind the bill and why it was a bad idea. Um, there was also some pretty extreme proposed rollbacks to the state's net energy billing uh, policy and program for solar energy, so that also was a challenge to defeat, and, and we only recently, in the last couple of years, uh, passed a bill to to uh, direct the Public Utilities Commission uh, to um, as one of its responsibilities to help reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And this year, there was a bill to eliminate uh, the PUC role in in helping us meet our climate goals. So we were able to defeat that. So we're not going backwards. We're going <laughs> to continue to move forwards. That's a good thing, but you can't always take it for granted that, <laughs> that no. we're, we're only going to go forward. You know. At least most people, and I think a clear majority of the legislature does not want to go backwards, but it takes a lot of effort and education to defeat these bad bills that just keep popping up like mushrooms. For sure, for sure. Yeah. The other thing we should note uh, is that for the second session in a row, legislation that would have advanced tribal sovereignty for the tribes in Maine was delayed or defeated due to opposition from Governor Mills. The environmental community, including NRCM, remains a steadfast supporter of the Wabanaki people's quest for full sovereignty, so they can be treated fairly and equitably as every other tribe in the nation. So achieving full sovereignty, we believe, is a moral imperative that we're not going to give up on. And you know that that bill is going to we'll hear we'll hear about it next next year for sure, mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and in future sessions potentially. The thing I next wanted to talk about, and Pete, you talked about this up front, but is how we were able to achieve this enormous progress. It's that combination of people power working in partnership with a wide variety of groups and interests like NRCM, 
and and lawmakers who are really dedicated to this. We, you know, I think we held our state house action day in person and and that was a huge success, had a lot of folks turn up and able to speak with their legislators. Is there anything else you want to say about what stood out to you about the uh, power of that work, the the sort of the people power behind this, that, this part of the equation? Yeah, without the involvement of, of people and organizations and businesses and towns that share this common interest in protecting our environment, nothing would happen at the state house. The bad bills would pass. The good bills would would not pass. So, so that's just like fundamental. So we're part of the Environmental Priorities Coalition. That's a coalition of 37 environmental conservation public health organizations representing more than 120,000 members. That coalition is incredibly important. This year, we worked with trail groups, lake associations, local economic development organizations, businesses from L.L. Bean to Kittery Trading Post, organized labor, land trusts, uh, allies in the administration, Republicans, Democrats, independents. I mean, we we just, um, our goal is to reach out and build the biggest coalitions we can to work with coalitions um, that share our values, to identify areas of common interest with lawmakers, uh, regardless of their party, and to work together towards advancing this common interest. And there's always potential there. Mm -hmm. um, when you get right down to it, nobody really wants to trash Maine's environment. And so just making sure people understand which bills are necessary to build on that safety net that we have been building for decades and to make sure that we're not doing things that are cutting holes in that safety net is just, it's why NRCM is so important to this process. Right, right, for sure. Um, any other last impressions or closing thoughts from this year's legislative session you wanna, you wanna share with folks? Yeah, so um, there's one bill that didn't get across the finish line. It's been carried over to next year. It's the main trails bond. We've done a podcast on it. I think we've done a webinar on it. We've done, sent a lot of information out. It was a disappointment that we weren't able to get this to a vote. It was probably the right decision that we just needed to get it carried over. But this was a good example of a really big coalition that NRCM mm -hmm. played a lead role in helping pull together. More than 300 organizations, business and businesses and towns all endorsed this $30 million bond investment, a grant program that would support trails of all types statewide um, rural communities, rural legislators really see this as important to the econo economic diversification in their areas. So, um, and we just had such great partners in this. Um, Chamber of Commerce, Tourism Association, Teens to Trails, Land Trusts, uh, towns um, from Callis to to Caribou to Westbrook, I mean, all over the place. So. So we're gonna to have to continue to build that um, coalition even bigger. And this is certainly gonna be a top priority as we move into the next legislative session. And I just saw that the deadline for new bill titles is at the end of September. Oh my so gosh. even though we're now at the end of July and the end of September is just two months away and we'd love to take a really long break and not think about the legislative session we literally have to start thinking about the next legislative session pretty soon. Pretty soon. 
but we'll take a break. We'll take we'll a break. Take a break. We'll um, take a break. A well-deserved break. Yes, exactly. Well, thanks again for joining us. That trails bond, that that sort of movement that was created is really exciting, and I think it's gonna, as you said, we can really build on that. And we've started a conversation and a lot of excitement around trails, and it was so great to see that diversity of groups, and it really exemplified yeah. the many, like you said, the many different ways people use trails, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. But a great example of how people can come together around common purpose on that. Well, thanks again for joining us to break this all down. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, constantly amazed at what we're able to achieve every year in the state house. Uh, of course, it's it couldn't be possible without our team of experts, um, you and all the others who spend countless hours in the state house speaking with lawmakers and working on bills. Of course, all of our other colleagues in NRCM who are also supporting this work um, are, are a big part of that. And, and But fundamentally, as we've talked about, this success is thanks to people like our listeners who care about the future of Maine, care about the future of our environment. So these victories are, are your victories. They're victories that are going to secure our future, healthy environment for generations to come. We're honored and we're thankful to be working in partnership with all of you on this journey. Pete, I know you have some well-deserved vacations planned, so I hope you really get a chance to enjoy them. Turn off and just relax. I will. Uh, th thanks again. Yeah, thanks again to you and the team for all your hard work in the State House this year. Yeah, thanks, Colin. It's all right. Here. And thanks again to our listeners for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Maine Environment, Frontline, Frontline Voices. Since 1959, NRCM has been tapping into the power of Maine people, science, and the law to protect and enhance the nature of Maine. To learn more about our work protecting Maine's environment, visit nrcm.org or follow us on social media at NRCM Environment.